Well, welcome, Pastor Brad. We're back after a few weeks off. Yeah, I had a couple of weeks out of the pulpit, and that was helpful for me, but it's good to be back. Yeah, we had uh, Pastor Brad from Country Bible, and then one of our elders, Dimitri, gave the message the last couple weeks, and then you were back Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as always, you come out of the gate with a great analogy. The car analogy, you know, my husband specifically always appreciates a good car car analogy. I'm sure he does. I will say, though, when you started talking about, you know, the test you take in driver's ed, it's a miracle that I have my license because taking tests, not my thing. It took me a very long time to be able to drive. (laughs) How how many times did you have to take the test? That's the real question that I'm sure our listeners want to know. Are you ready for this? I failed it four times. Oh, I failed the written four times. I... Tests, I tell you, it's it's a sad world out there. They make it so only those who are good test takers. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I got my license, <laughs> and uh, I still have it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I was I was a little bit concerned. I will, I'll confess. <laughs> so yeah, I loved the car analogy, but I thought, uh oh, where are we going with this? Because I might not be able to relate very well. But as usual, it was a, it was a great analogy. So for those of um, our listeners that missed your sermon. Which, by the way, listeners, you can always go back on our website and listen to the, you can click the sermon link and listen to the past few sermons if you've missed them. So, Brad, could you give us a, a quick overview of your sermon? Yeah. Um, I mean, really, the, the analogy I started with is, is because in, in this text here in First Corinthians 15, Paul looks forward and he looks backward, mm-hmm. and both are intended to help inform the, the Corinthians on how they should be living today. So he starts off the discussion um, in verse 12 by, by looking back. He looks back to the gospel that, that we talked about last week in the first 11 verses of chapter 15, and he gives them a, a hope in the resurrection. He reminds them that you can't argue for no resurrection for believers yeah. because Christ was raised. Like, so there must be resurrection, and there's a connection between Christ's bodily resurrection and our resurrection. And so that then as believers, we should gain hope from that past certainty. Looking back to Christ as being the first fruits was the illustration there, the first fruits of those that are, that are raised from the dead, and we'll, we'll follow after him in that. And then he moved on uh, to addressing what I think is kind of the heart of this text, and that is uh, our unity in future victory. So he looks back to the resurrection, but then he looks forward to Christ's return. Yeah. And he looks forward to when Christ comes back and Christ um, demonstrates his dominion over creation. And he, he, he returns the kingdom back to the Father, if you will. You know, he presents the kingdom to the Father so that God may be all in all. And, uh, and I think Paul brings that up with the idea of unifying the church around this future victory, mm-hmm. that catalyzing thing. I mean... Again, that, that was part of the reason for the illustration about, like, if we remember September 11th and, and the yeah. way we felt following that, there was a unifying effect that yeah. came from that sort of it experience. It reminded me when you said that there's uh, there's something out there that says live like it's 9-12. Yeah. And that idea, I thought, wow, you're right. Like, if what if we lived every day like it was the day out, day yeah. after the resurrection? Yeah. And, and the painful part is to consider how quickly we forgot that how you know, like how temporal that experience was but paul's probably making them I mean, he's kind of making the same argument he's mm-hmm. saying like that is the sort of experience we ought to have as we look forward to christ's return but that should be an ongoing thing not i mean it isn't a situation like september 11th where it was like okay well this is we know what we should be doing 
And then 20 years later, are we sure that we won? You know, I mean, there's still kind of a question mark in our minds. I mean, there's going to be no question mark when Christ comes back. It's going to be absolute certainty, absolute victory. And that should unify us today, knowing that that's the direction history is headed. And then lastly, we talked about the help that we get for present purity. This idea that Paul looks backward and looks forward with the intention of helping them understand that they need to be living morally pure, upright lives today. It's like it's so easy to get off track. It's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get confused. It's so easy to get um, kind of bogged down in the things of this life that he calls a drunken stupor, you know, you know sort of an yeah. idea. It's so easy to get off track and to get focused on all these other things that the Corinthians were fighting about. He's like, there's something you ought to be living for, and you ought to be living pure lives today rather than focusing on what you're focusing on. And so we really looked at that parallel. That was the car illustration. How do we look backward and how do we look forward ultimately for driving safely, uh, for navigating our Christian walk with intentionality and with safety in between these two points that we live? When thinking about five more minutes of the sermon, you know, I think you were right on time this week, a little bit over. Where did we fall? <laughs> I, I don't have any idea. I really don't. So <laughs> We like to give you a hard time for that. Um, so what's a good application or what? how can we expound on your five more minutes that you usually do for us? Yeah, as I was considering that, um, getting ready for today, one of the things that struck me is I was like, there's there's some theological tricky things here in sure. the text that we could spend a little bit more time on, but I'd, I'd rather spend time on the practical application. I'd rather spend time, especially on that third point, that idea of uh, help for present purity. Because I, I just, reading verse 34 or 33 and 34 at the end of the text, that struck me so much. Um, and, I, and I thought doubling down on that and explaining a little bit more what I was talking about there might be helpful to our listeners. Let me just read 33 and 34 again. Yeah. He issues these three commands to them. In light of the return of Christ, in light of the resurrection of Christ, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. Right? This, this idea of don't be deceived, wake up, and don't go on sinning, I think was really, really... Uh, critical for us to keep in mind. Um, and for me, it, it just struck me. It was like, this is this is a lot like driving. This is, yeah. you know, he warns them of the danger of bad company, you know, that sort of distraction. And and I, like, I'm not trying to call it the high schoolers. I just know what I experienced when I was kind of that age, you know, and you're in a car and there's five of you and right. people are yelling and on the radio. You and just got done driving through McDonald's drive-through. Yeah, I was going to say, it is right. so easy. It is so easy to get distracted, worried about something right. else. I mean, the reality is the experience today is very similar for me as it was then. You know, I've got four kids in the back of the car and Jenna and I are trying to have a conversation and two of them want the radio turned up and two of them want a snack. And it's very easy to get distracted as we're driving. And I think that's his point here, right? Like there is danger in keeping bad company. Like bad company ruins good morals. He's warning them of the influence of these voices that they're allowing to speak into their lives. And so he's speaking to the Corinthian church. And I think in specifically part of what he has in mind is the, the culture of the day would have believed in some sort of a spiritual existence after life, but they would have denied the bodily resurrection of the believer. And so I think the church is buying into kind of the common ethos of, of Corinth and they're saying, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, it's just this spiritual existence. You don't need to worry about the, the bodily resurrection. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like that's, Christ was raised from the dead in body. Go talk to those people mm-hmm. if you want to find out more about it. Um, but it just strikes me as, as for us being really, really worth consideration uh, because I sometimes think in our modern culture where we're just kind of fed inputs, you know, and we're, we're constantly engaging in kind of entertainment and we're consuming stuff. It's really easy not to monitor those inputs that we're, we're getting. It's really easy to kind of just let things come 
as they do. Uh, and I just I think that's a huge danger for us because there really is a garbage in, garbage out sort of yeah. mentality. Like what we feed our brains with, what we allow to speak mm-hmm. in, those voices to speak into our lives. And I do mean the people we keep around us. You know, I mean, it's been said before that you're, you're probably kind of the average of the five closest friends you have in life. You're probably going to be somewhere in there. I'm right, not sure because I've ever heard that. It's, it's not because it's wrong to hang out with people that are unbelievers. It's not because, I mean, we're supposed to be a witness. I mean, Paul's talked about that in First Corinthians as well. But the idea that, like, those that we really allow to speak truth into our lives, who are we listening to? And are they, are they biblically informed, spiritually mature believers, or are they people that are ascribed to the world's values? And, and it's true of real people, but it's also true of other inputs. It's true of the media we consume. It's true of, like, the music we listen to. It's true of the videos we watch. It's true mm-hmm. of the Facebook feeds we the follow. books we read. Yeah, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Whatever we allow to speak in will begin to shape us, you yeah. know? I mean, if you find yourself listening to particular resources and all of a sudden you find yourself angry all the time, <laughs> there's maybe a connection yeah. there. And it's easier to identify, like, I'm thinking through children, you yeah. know, we monitor what they watch, or we should, or we yeah. monitor what they read. But as adults, we're like, well, we're adults. We can handle it. Yeah, exactly but right. But we need to be more consciously aware that it actually might distract us yeah. from the cross. Yeah, and it it has a tendency to, to, again, you know, think of Paul's words like in Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, mm-hmm. but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. The, the voices that we allow to, our, our minds to listen to have a tendency to conform us, to press us into the mold of the world. Instead, I think one of the texts that would be worth meditating on if you find yourself maybe struggling in this area would be Philippians 4. I love the way Paul lays out Philippians 4, right? He he talks about rejoicing in the Lord always, verse 4. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're familiar with that idea of prayer. Then he goes on, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me, practice these things, and the God of peace, there it is again, will be with you. No, it's just this reminder that like, we naturally dwell on and think on negative things. We mm. naturally dwell on and think on things that aren't pure and aren't honorable and aren't excellent and aren't praiseworthy. And here in Philippians, he's like, you want to guard your hearts and minds, mm. pray, turn things over to Christ, but also dwell on mm. the things that are valuable and worthy of praise. And those things will shape your thinking and they will shape your attitudes. So if you find yourself struggling with with this idea of feeling like you're distracted in your driving, listening to the world's voices, think about what inputs you're allowing, what negative inputs you maybe need to cut out, and what positive inputs you maybe need to put in place. Um, in addition to that, I, I think his his idea, again, I said it was really potent imagery, this danger of drunken stupor mm-hmm. that he talks about. I just, I love that. Mm-hmm. Like, wake up from your drunken stupor. I was going to look at other translations, too, to see how they how they translated the stupor part, the drunken stupor part. Did you look up any other translations in your study? I can't tell you what the terminology is, but I, I think it's fairly consistently okay. interpreted that way. Because, I mean, that I think is that's a, generally like, right the, away, what do we think? Yeah, I was going to say. Someone stumbling, someone falling down, driving off the yes. road. You know, and it's, it's not the only place in Scripture we run into that same sort of idea of sobriety mm-hmm. in Scripture. Peter, in, in his letter to First Peter, or of uh, First Peter, says something very, very similar. And I just, I just want to read it real quickly here uh, for our listeners. He says in First Peter chapter one verse thirteen, therefore. 
preparing your minds for action, right? Mm-hmm. He's encouraging them to be obedient and being sober-minded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't that mm-hmm. interesting? He's going right to the return of Christ again right. there. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, so you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I just, it's so intriguing, right? Again, this idea of sober living, sober mindedness, because we don't want to naturally be conformed to what the world is trying to do, the passions of our former ignorance, as he refers to here in First Peter. Instead, we ought to be self-evaluating. We ought to be self-evaluating, sober minded, ready to obey, ready mm-hmm. for action, considering what life throws at us. Yeah. And it's so easy to kind of go through life drunk, if you will, to go through life half asleep or yeah. unconscious or impaired in some way. And we don't think of ourselves that way because we're like, well, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. But most of life is kind of rote. Yeah. And, and it kind of, I see this picture of this unguarded. I think you already yeah. said that. Like if you're not sober minded, I mean, we can look at the, I mean, if we can use the worldly view of being drunk, being consumed, the choices that they're making are not good choices. And they're easily persuaded over here, yes. over here. Yes. And the company you keep, the negativity instead of focusing back on the being of sober mind. Yeah, it's it's one of the things. I mean, if you've spent very much time um, around people that have been drinking and that are mm-hmm. intoxicated, they're yeah. highly influenceable, yes, right? Like they're highly suggestible. Like they're easy to be like, oh, let's go here. Let's do this. Let's right. try this. Let's, you know, that sort of thing. And that's mm-hmm. that part of, I mean, people talk about alcohol as a social lubricant. That's part of it. You know, yeah. it kind of drops our barriers mm-hmm. and drops our, mm-hmm. our defenses and allows, you know, right. whatever to take place. Um, right. Instead, he says, no, 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 be sober-minded, yeah. be prepared, be ready, because mm-hmm. – and in First Peter, he's, he's speaking like strangers and aliens. He's like, guys, you're in a rough environment. Mm-hmm. You've got to be equipped. You've got to be prepared. You've got to be on the guard right. against what is going to try to influence your thoughts and your speaking. Right. So for some of us, it's really, it's really easy just not to do that self-evaluation. You know, it's like as long as – you know, ignorance is bliss, right? As long as we just mm-hmm. pretend like everything's okay and just keep stumbling blindly ahead, we don't know what's coming. Right. That's not and, great either. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> hold on a second. Ignorance yeah. is not bliss the minute, yeah. you know, you run into something. Yeah. And that's where I thought the driving analogy was helpful mm-hmm. because it's like it was. you're going to get in an accident. It's right. coming. You may not care <laughs> in the moment, but Well, and you, you might should. injure somebody else. Yeah. You might cause a stumble. Yeah. It's very, very true. And so this idea of wake up that he encourages them to. And then lastly, don't go on sinning. I, I found that, I mean, obviously, you know, we talk a lot about sin, you know, in the church and that's not surprising, and we talk a lot about what effect it has on us, but I, I don't know that often we take stock of just how blinding sin is. Yeah. You know, that this idea that, that Blinding, we, I like that word. Yeah. Because, yes, we can't see what's coming out of our own mouths. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, and we don't see what's coming at us, and we don't see where we're going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you think of, I'm, it's not been that long ago, I had, a, I had a, one of my high beams on my lights on my car go out, and so I've still got one headlight, and I've got mm-hmm. the low beams, mm-hmm. but I'm driving on 34, and there's a lot of deer out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it's one of those things where you're kind of like, kind uh, of congr- what's going to come con- out of nowhere? Congregate? Is that the word? Congregate out there. Yeah. yeah it like feels like there's road. like they have paths, yeah. and they all go around the same <laughs> yeah. spot. Yeah. And, see, and you see a lot of people hit deer out on the road. Yeah. And it's just one of those things where I'm sitting there going, like, this is what it's like to drive blind. Mm-hmm. You can't see when something might jump out in front of you, and yeah. you're totally oblivious to it. Yeah. 
And that really is what it's like when we live with unrepentant, harbored sin. It makes us blind to what we need to see in our own lives. It makes oblivious to what's coming our way. Yeah. I, I, and, and we need, and, and that's where we so much need the illumination and the purity of the Word of God to speak and to bring clarity on that because we... We, we tend to run from our reading of the Word of God when we're in sin, and sin tends to get easier to defeat when we're in the Word of God. Right. I don't think this is a shock, right. you know, that this should be the case. I, one of my favorite psalms in the Old Testament is Psalm 19. And Psalm 19, I, I love the way it kind of puts these two ideas together. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Moreover, to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And then he says this, and this is where I think it's really important. He just talked about the word of the Lord. And then he talks about this. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And I just love how Psalm 19 pairs together those two ideas. And that's going to be the only place you can find it in Psalm 119 as well, where it pairs together the illumination and the purifying effect of the word on our hearts. And it's like how we need the word to illuminate, you know I mean? lamp into our feet and a light into our path, right? That sort of idea, we need that. And it's no coincidence that when we're harboring sin, we have a hard time in our devotions. We have a hard time getting into the Word of God. We have a hard time because it's going to cut us, and we know it. And so we just go on driving blind, Mm -hmm. you know, not knowing what's coming. Mm -hmm. And then it's interesting that I've always noted it's interesting that we're shocked when we fall. You know, we're shocked when public, you know, pastors and theologians and people like that fall. But it's like that didn't come out of nowhere. That was that was coming for a while, mm-hmm. and I think that's what Paul is warning the Corinthians about here. You know, this idea and where of don't did we go put on sinning. That we were so shocked. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I think that's a part of it. It's like, yeah, we worked hard to blind ourselves for a long yep. time. You know, yep. um, and so I, I think it's really important to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. This idea of don't go on sinning. Be 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 warned of the the blinding effect of sin in your life, and mortify that sin. You know, cut that mm-hmm. out of our lives, mm-hmm. and and that's that's through. Engaging with the Word of God to illuminate and to purify our hearts. It's through engaging with one another and believers, and it's through prayer. You know, we've talked about that yep. already a little bit here yep. in our time. Um, but it's just so critical as we seek to live life in between Christ's resurrection and Christ's return to keep mortifying sin in our lives. Christ's resurrection and imminent return are sources of hope, unity, and purity for the church today. I keep going back to that unity piece, that something you had said several sermons ago, several chapters ago, actually. That unifying, that unity when a non-believer walks into Faith Bible Church. Yeah. What are they seeing? Yeah, I, I think that's really critical. And and I kind of hinted at it a little bit in Sunday's message, but you know, when I was kind of outlining chapter fifteen, all of it is about the resurrection, but I think all of it is pointing our hearts toward mm-hmm. unity. And so I think last week in, in the first eleven verses is unity and certainty, the certainty of the gospel and the hope that we have. This week was unity and victory, Mm -hmm. this idea that we will have victory because Christ Mm -hmm. has won the victory. Mm -hmm. He will return and consummate that victory one day. Um, I know we're going into what's coming up this Sunday, so I know I can kind of segue this direction anyway. This is a perfect off-ramp, Brad. 
take us into this Sunday. So we're going to still be in 15, and yep. we're still going to be talking about resurrection. So where do we head this week? Yeah, we're in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a really long chapter, you know, so we're going to have a couple more weeks in 1 Corinthians 15. But we're going to be in verses 35 through 49. I'd encourage our listeners to read that in advance. And the theme there is unity and frailty. Okay. He's speaking to the unworthiness of our bodies. He's speaking to the idea of the resurrection of the body. And what does that mean? What has God promised us in the future in heavenly bodies? And and what all does that mean? And I think, again, I think it's driving at that point of we all need that same change. Like we all deal with the physical realities of being, of living in a fallen world with mortal bodies. But one day that won't be the case. One day God is going to give us new bodies, uh, spiritual bodies is what he refers to them here in 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, so, yeah, I'd encourage our listeners to listen to verses 35 or read through verses 35 through 49 in their time together. We're going to read some from John chapter 11, the resurrection of Lazarus and Christ saying, I am the resurrection and the life. So I'd encourage them to listen or, again, read through those texts as well. Or there's, there's a really interesting passage right at the end of Philippians 3 before he gets into chapter 4 that we read. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 20 through 4, verse 1, just three verses there. Um, But there's some really potent stuff there. And I would encourage our listeners to be meditating on that because it it speaks to this idea uh, very succinctly. Chapter and verse in John again? Okay, John 11. John 11, okay. And then 1 Corinthians 15, verses? 35 through 49. 35 through 49, okay. I got some homework to do. Yep, yep. They're not not long sections, so it doesn't take long to read. You can do it in the morning. I can't wait for this Sunday. Thank you, as always, for your diligence to God's Word. And we'll sit down next week and talk about all that you just exposed for us there. My pleasure. It'll be good. See ya. Thanks for listening to Midweek in the Word Sunday Recap. This is a production of Faith Bible Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll be back next week with a new recap and a forward look to our Sunday sermon. Make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We leave you with this encouragement out of 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll see you next week as we sit down with Pastor Brad for another episode of Midweek in the Word Sunday Recaps.